Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Global Skiing Podcast. In this special episode, Sam Robertson and I chat with Harry Laidlaw, a Australian team GS gear who is on the World Cup. And unfortunately, in this episode, you'll hear he's just recently injured uh, his knee in training. And so a really kind of interesting episode to delve into an athlete like himself who is really on the rise and, and competing with the best of them and how he's dealing now with, with an injury and coming back. We discuss things such as uh, the mental sort of toughness you need, um, coaching around that sort of stuff at the, at the level when you, when you come to a race like, say, Solden at the beginning of the season where there's a lot of anticipation around who's going who's gonna to be top this year. We also look at things like line versus technique, discuss Harry's background. He's a pretty humble guy coming from Australia and and I think it's really interesting to find out a bit like if you've listened to the interview with Sam how someone from a really a, a non-skiing power nation like Australia is is not a, 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 known as a skiing nation say compared to Austria. So it's really interesting to hear how someone gets to that point where they're competing with the best of the best yet coming from a very different background. So I think it's really interesting. I think you'll gain some great insight into what makes someone a World Cup skier. So without further ado, let's get into it. I'm back with my colleague Sam Robertson and then his friend Harry Laidlaw from the Australian ski team. And this time, uh, the before this podcast was recorded, we were actually doing a bit of a Zoom session uh, around Harry's uh, something unfortunate that happened to Harry in November, a knee injury. So we'll, we'll just kick it off. Harry, we don't really know each other very well except for me showing you some exercise about half an hour ago. But do you want to run us through, like, what what happened with this, uh, you know, you're on the Australian team, about the, you'd raced, sold, and then this knee injury. What, what happened? Um, yeah, so... We have been in Europe since August and um, yeah, things have been quite hectic like because mountains closed back home. So I pretty much had to make the decision to um, yeah move over to Europe for the Europe Cup World Cup season. Um, and then, yeah, like summer was really good. Training was going quite well and um, sold and didn't really go to plan but then yeah we had been training for um yeah six, five six weeks leading up to the next next world cup races um and then i actually i had corona um when was it like start of november uh-huh. and so i was I'd been, yeah, just, I was isolating in my apartment for two weeks. Um, I didn't really get heavy symptoms or anything, but, um, yeah, like obviously I was off snow for two weeks and then, um, yeah, we'd, when I got back, I would skied for like maybe five days and then, or we did two days and then we had a bit of a break and then another few days. And then that's when, um, when we were training in Obergogel, um, yeah, I snow was pretty dry and um, yeah, sort of like went into a turn and the ski went away and then came back and then yeah, felt that pop and um, yeah, I pretty much knew straight away it was ACL. So then, yeah, and heartbreaking. It's such a such a bummer. Um, especially has because you know uh we've been friends for a long time and i've been you know watching you progress into you know one of the best gs skiers we've ever had in australia um and like when you told me i was just <laughs> i was up here I was super bummed out um i suppose like for our audience well like it'd be interesting to hear you know this year with covid um you know getting an injury this year is different right it, like um We've been chatting a couple this week, like how, you know, you're heading home soon. It's been a bit of a challenge getting the flights and so on. Um, can you give us like a bit of insight into uh, what it's been like, you know, in Innsbruck with your injury and 
and uh, how you've been dealing with that. Yeah, like, I guess that was one of the harder things going into the season, like leaving in August and, um, yeah, just knowing I wouldn't be home for such a long time. And then, yeah, obviously getting injured um, makes it even more complicated because, yeah, I was it was sort of back and forth with insurance, whether it would, they would fly me home to get the surgery or do it in Austria. Um, and then, yeah, it was for, for me, I sort of just wanted to get the surgery done as soon as possible um, so I could start start the rehab process. Um, but yeah, like I pretty much got the go-ahead from insurance to get it done over here. Um, but yeah, like getting back at the moment has just been... When are you, yeah. when are you scheduled to come back to Australia? Uh, I was supposed to come back um sort of mid-jan like i had a I had a flight but then um it was through london and because of okay. the new the new super strain or whatever um there's no flights That's, going in the okay. uk anymore. So, um yeah <laughs> at this point I, i'm not really sure but um yeah i don't know we'll, i'm sure we'll, so you're we'll currently in, in in sweden with sam and not sure where you'll be next, hey? Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, I was quickly say because Sam was saying like I didn't, I had no idea about this, and I feel a bit embarrassed being an Australian, not knowing. Like now we're chatting with like possibly you know potentially one of Australia's best ever GS skiers. Like what? Yeah, what? What do you reckon set you apart like in this journey up to where you are now? making like world cup races as an, as an Aussie, like, like tell us about your, I don't know. Was it like, like, did, like your race club times were you always super motivated? Were you actually not, were you a, a brat? Like, like what, like how, what brought you there? Like, is it, is being a brat a good thing? Were you, were you really dedicated? Like tell us. Um, uh, yeah, like I don't know. Like growing up, I was definitely a little brat for sure. Um, <laughs> you know, I had uh, I had two older brothers that I was always you know looking up to, and um, I always had the motivation to be better than them. So, and I guess when I was going through this Australian system, there was there was a bunch of good skiers. So there was base. Um, there's always older guys to chase. Um, and I think that sort of kept me motivated. And yeah, obviously like I was super lucky. I had um, good family support to allow me to, um, yeah, pursue my dreams and- Do a lot like, of skiing. Yeah, like I was like, mum and dad put me in the best place to, um, like succeed i guess um so were you were you like a good did you get told you you had good technique did you get told you could see a good line like what was your what did you have over other people like as you started to like you know maybe make uh podiums and stuff you know in australia or pan pacific competitions like what was it that people would say you'd hear other people say, or you knew about yourself that was, that made you better. Um, I guess like, yeah, like, cause, cause growing up in like, what for me, I, I feel like I had a bit of a different path growing up skiing. Cause like I did, I did everything I did like until I was like 14, I did pretty much a split between skiing, um, slope style and racing and um yeah i don't know i feel like for me i'm probably more like a natural skier like a more like flowing like i think mm -hmm. in racing you're either like you're either a skier who can like ski big mountain and like free ski pretty well or like you've you've never been on a pair of free skis in your life and you just have skied gates since you were seven you know um yeah so I f yeah i feel like for me that was 
pretty helpful, like just doing, yeah, sort of like all aspects of skiing, you know, not just like skiing gates all the time. Yeah. And do you have any, who like have any good coaches early on that you really uh, respected or they had really good, you know, ways of, of coaching you and bringing the best out of you? Yeah, I had um, like we had one coach, Jeff Books, who was um, who was sort of the director of the, the race club in Hotham for yeah a long, long time, and we've known each other for yeah I don't know since I was probably ten years old. Um, but yeah, he's um, just like he's super motivated and he and he loves the sport so much and. Um, I think what the most important thing is he was always, he always cared about the athletes he coached. Um, I think a lot of, a lot of coaches nowadays, they just sort of do it as a job. They're not so passionate about it. Um, yeah. And I think growing up, he was always super passionate and, um, that also kept me motivated when you have someone that you fully trust. Yeah. On your side. Yeah. Yeah. And then same thing now, like the coach I have now is from the U S Paul, Paul Epstein. He's, yeah, it's the same thing. He's like, you know, I've spent so much time with, I've been with him for like five or six years now. And um, yeah, we're like, I don't know. I feel like I've spent more time with him than like my family, you know, the past, past, five, six years. So I sort of have a lot of trust in him and what he's saying. And um, yeah, it's nice to have that sort of feeling with your coach. It's actually uh, uh, the cool thing. uh, I think uh, like a lot of our listeners wouldn't know this, Tom, but Global Racing that Harry, uh, so Harry's on this team called Global Racing. Uh, It's a private team. It's, it's, I don't know any other team like a private team that's been as successful as global racing. Um, like this is a, a team of like individuals that come from all different nations together. And I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, what like three of the guys were uh, in the top 30 in the Santa Catarina world cup on the second day. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty outstanding for a private team. I don't know if it's ever really happened before. Um, and, and Harry, you know, himself is, you know, one of the, the fastest guys on that team as well. So like, Harry, what do you think it is about global racing and like, you know, what Paul's doing and, and like what your teammates do that make it such a strong team considering everybody just comes from everywhere. Um, yeah. I think the main thing with our team is like, yeah, it's, it's a big family sort of like we're all pretty close and, um, yeah, we're all stoked when when everyone's doing well and um, we're all pushing each other to sort of better ourselves. So it's like sort of like the Norwegian team, like how they're doing, why they do so well is because they have such a team-oriented... Um, they're, like yeah, so, yeah, they're so team-oriented and they're, it's even though it's an individual sport, they're always um, trying to you know, make the best. Support each other. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's sort of with our team as well. Like we're all Who are from, some of the other guys on the, on the team. Um, so there's, there's eight of us. Um, there's a few guys from um, Belgium, guy from Netherlands um, and then Italy, Austria, um yeah real mix so, yeah it's it's cool actually cool. like because that's the thing like a, a lot of, a lot of us are from small nations so um yeah no one no one really expects us to do well so i think it's cool when when we all are doing well or like you know some of the guys on the team they've been on national teams before like um like one of the guys magnus magnus volk he was on the austrian team yeah for a long time but um yeah it's cool to see like a guy that is supporting his season you know 
on his own. And um, he made World Cup points, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Mm. But, um, nice. Yeah, like yeah. just for everyone to understand, like how how crazy that is. Like before, like say this time, you know, someone like Magnus, if he was kicked off the Austrian team, that would be like the end of his career, you know, unless he was some some absolute standout super freak that could somehow do it all himself. But like the fact that Magnus, you know, went off and then had the opportunity to like join this team. Uh, which is also providing opportunities to people like Harry and stuff, and then make World Cup points again as an Austrian. That's uh, it's like really crazy. Um, so it's yeah. pretty cool. I think uh, like Martin was also the first Dutch person, Martin Miners, the first Dutch person to ever be in the top 30 in a World Cup. That was uh, two weeks wow. ago. So yeah. yeah, yeah, I think as well, like with our team as. Um, you know, Paul, our coach, he's he's pretty like, you know, he's not he's not just like he's not just the coach on snow, like it's much bigger than that. And I think that's a, such a big part of being a coach is you know, you're not you're not just on the hill there talking about skiing, you know, you're there's there's so much so many things in people's lives that affect the way you train or race, you know? So I think 100%. it's, he, he's more like, you know, a brother or like a dad almost to, to us because, you know, he's helping us with external, um, influences. Stuff. Yeah. So I think like, yeah. you know, in the national teams, a lot of, a lot of the guys don't really get that. Yeah. Um, so I think that is also a big part, you know? Yeah. There's uh, like, you've been telling me the past couple of days, like, I mean, I didn't know this until now, but you also have um, another assistant coach from the same Hugh. And, and so Hugh's an Aussie, Hugh Brooks. And, you know, this is a pretty crazy thing. Cause like when I was ski racing, we actually had like a few Aussies and Kiwis and we all traveled around together and, that's a big deal. Like when you're on the other side of the planet for like more than half the year training, racing, um, Harry's like kind of the lone, lone guy on GS tour for us at the moment. But he, um, but I mean, how's that having Hugh around and, and, uh, you know, having him there to help you out? Yeah, it's been, it's been super nice actually. Um, because yeah, I guess the last Hugh like, from Hotham. Yeah. He's from Hotham. Yeah, 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 I know you. Yeah, so we grew up together, like we've known each other for so long. And um yeah, I think that's sometimes what makes it hard when or like the last years when you're in Europe and yeah, you're you're mostly with European guys and um yeah, you definitely start to miss home and mm. miss your own kind of people. <laughs> but yeah. um yeah, like having him on the team has been really good and he's super motivated and um yeah, he's he's also he's almost finished um his sports science degree, so um he's just it's nice. been super nice just him helping out with that aspect of of um training and sort of that sort of thing. Um but yeah, like having so, a body so is sort of refreshing. Yeah. I'm I'm curious because I don't like I want to know what a day training for someone like you you at your level is like you know it's like so you obviously can ski really well say like give us a day like GS training day what it would look like are you doing like eight runs they're all videoed you get like feedback or analysis in between every run are you like is it like working on one, like, do you switch from tactical to technical? Is it just technical stuff? Like give us an example of like what your this season, since you started doing really well, like what were maybe one or two main focuses from training a training session you'd be working on? Um, yeah. Like for me, I, we usually keep it super simple. Um, like, yeah, what works for me is not thinking about too many um, 
like key points, I guess. Um, yeah, so like this season, probably a few key things we were working on um, was, a, yeah, line was a big thing, like tactics. Um, yeah, so we, so how we sort of talk about it is like crossing the crossing the rise line and then initiating the turn, but but so keeping that sequence. Yeah, like trying to keep line as low as possible, um, if that makes any sense. Like really, like pushing the line, and then making sure like. You're, and what you're, does that do? Like why yeah, but, why do you want to do that? Does that is that because that means you're carrying more speed, like you more time down the hill? Yeah. So like if you have if you have a low line and then you pass the rise line and then initiate the turn, you're pretty much creating as much energy as possible. Um, yeah. Mm. Uh, if that. And how sense. how hard is that to actually? do like you know talk about it yeah but then actually do it how like do you feel it when you get it right do, like how do you know yeah it's i think it's such a fine line as well because sometimes you'll think yeah i was it was my line was good but then maybe you'll be um turning up the hill a bit too much like you know you can have you can have a good run and feel really good but maybe you'll come down and you're or a second out or you know, two seconds out but I, I think that's the hardest thing is like it's such a fine line you know like yeah you're almost like, like how our coach talks about it is like you should never feel like comfy when you're skiing like you should always be a bit stressed like trying to maintain the line fight it yeah 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 um, like that's that so like what do you reckon is like say like a like say me not much racing experience what do you reckon my first natural instinct and most people's natural, even yourself, if you're, if you're kind of not really thinking, do people cut the line too early? Do they like, like what do you reckon is the instinctual thing that you have to kind of fight against that gets you to that, that faster? Do you get my question? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think a lot of people, yeah, it depends, I guess. Like a lot of people, for me, I was, I always initiated the turn too early. So I was cutting, sort of cutting the line off. And then I, I never had room for my body at the gate to yeah. produce energy. The gate. Yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, you're hooking up the hill too much. So like you're, yeah, you're pretty much diving down onto the gate instead of like, having the room to create the energy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're just traveling, you're just traveling more essentially. Mm. Um, it's a pretty interesting uh, point house because for myself, right, coming from racing and going into like ski instructing uh, and, you know, this is where Tom and I met. Um, there's, there's this really funny thing that like they say a lot in ski instructing and it's about like getting early edge pressure in racing right it's yeah. like get on the get on the new edge as early as possible um and that was kind of the opposite of what i i had been working on in my skiing and then you know here five years later hearing you say something like very similar right what do you reckon um you know a lot of our listeners uh, say like doing the work like working on racing for the euro test uh, a lot of our listeners also like just are race fans or they're even um you know going for the level four um what do you reckon like would be the number one thing in line that you could recommend them to do to, to be faster? Um, I think like, yeah, like saying like early edge pressure, like how we talk about it is more like, um, yeah, we talk about like switching in on the halfway point, like between, between both gates, you, you, you're, you're, you've switched to the new, new ski. So yeah. like once you've switched the new ski, then things are yeah, more stable. So then you have your weight on the new ski and then um you have the time to like push the line and let your let you 
cross the rise line and then initiate the turn. Um, that makes yep. sense. Like yeah. if you watch, if you watch like most of the World Cup guys, or like Hersha does it pretty well. Um, like he has like in the middle of the turn, he sort of has like this A frame. So like he's he's on the new ski, and then like in the transition, you mean? In the transition, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then um, that just makes his turns super stable because. Yeah, he already has that pressure on the new ski, and then he has more room to play. Mm. I guess. Uh, yeah, I remember when I was younger, like my coach pointing that out that when like Jens Big Mark and Andre Mira started getting really fast in slalom, they were doing that. They were like almost switching to the new edge while they were on the old edge. It was it was pretty yeah. cool. Um, yeah. And and Harry, so then, like this. Um, oh, sorry, you Tom. Do you- yeah, okay. So this week you've also been explaining to me how, you, you know, like you've been doing a lot of skiing, right? So like a lot of this stuff comes naturally to do to you. And there's like a whole other aspect of racing that um, also needs to be mastered and that's the mentality. And you were saying to me how like you, uh, you're at least taking steps towards making that like a part of your regime. So can you explain to us a bit about like why that's important, like what you're doing to master your mental state? in racing um yeah like i guess yeah it was it was really like before solden i got like yeah solden didn't go so well and i i thought that was mostly because i was super nervous and had like yeah race day anxiety and you know because there's so much hype up to like leading up to solden and um you know you've been training all summer and then it sort of like comes the race comes quite fast like no one really feels super prepared and um yeah like after Solden, like because skiing was going pretty well and i was feeling good but then you know just as soon as i kicked out of the gate nothing went to plan and then after that um me and hugh our assistant coach Hugh Brooks we just been working on more like mindfulness stuff and you know trying to work on you know if I do have some anxiety like sort of accepting that and letting it go and um, yeah I think it's can be super helpful Um, but yeah that's a really tough part hey like the yeah like take away everything about Solden and just put you on that track just as a training day, very different. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Um, but yeah, like over the years, I guess I've sort of, yeah, gotten better at, yeah, dealing with the, the mental side. But yeah, for me, like the World Cups are just like, they're just such a different vibe there. Like they're pretty chaotic and, um, so like have you got a strategy now like like or like does it does it involve something like like a little routine or uh like you know what i mean like what what yeah how does it look yeah i what? mean we we've talked about it a fair bit and it was more it's more so like yeah, like before the start or like, you know, if we're really starting to feel the nerves or the anxiety, just sort of taking a minute to accept it and like, you know, do a bit of breath work and, you know, just sort of think about it, accept it and then sort of try to let it pass and then focus on focus on skiing and, yeah, not so much the outcome. If you're serious about stepping up your skiing skills, listen up. I've been working closely with the Carve team for over four years and they've just unveiled a groundbreaking feature, Active Coaching Mode. And here's the lowdown. Launch it at the top of your run and go through a quick calibration with 10 turns and it sets a baseline just below your current skill level. From there, every turn is a challenge, adapting on the fly to your skill, terrain and conditions. No fluff, just a gamified experience pushing you to ski better every turn. It does this by using a super thin insole lined with small pressure sensors and motion detectors. 
It's like having a personal coach analyzing your every move. And here's the sweet part. If you hit a hot streak with excellent form and you're in for double or triple points, it's addictive, rewarding. Like I said, it's a very gamified experience and it transforms every run into a step towards better skiing. If you're intrigued, and you should be, check out Carve and dive into active coaching mode. Just Google Get Carve to find out more, and as a bonus, enter code GELLY15 to take 15% off. It's amazing. I've heard from the Carve team that now nearly over a third of the users are using active coaching mode when they go out and ski with it. So why not give it a try yourself? Nice. So then... then now we talked about line, the like mental side of things. How much then do you reckon like the technique side of things? So say is no gates, but but being able to like slay a really good GS turn down like like say that pitch it sold and that kind of pitch like a really steep. Like how much of that, you know? Do you reckon a lot of races like we're talking about? the people maybe listening here should really have in the bag like you know you could work online but if you can't you know what i mean like are you how much like do you really rely on your technique um yeah i think i think when like the hills get harder it's more like solden is is a pretty difficult hill like it's just a super steep face like consistently pretty much for i don't know 40 seconds or so so i think like those harder hills you definitely need like really strong um technical basis um but yeah i think like the, the easy hills you can get away with um like if you're scaling a good line but not super good tech um technically but yeah, I what think are you like, working on technically. Um, mostly was um, like the big things were keeping my feet up more underneath me. So like, I don't know, best way to explain it, I guess, was like not, you know, how Ted Ted Liggety skis. He like puts his outside ski out, like his outside yeah. leg is quite long, or like how he used to ski, I guess um yeah for me it was more like yeah trying to keep it more underneath me like how i guess like pintero how he skis like his feet are so underneath him and his hip is super tall um and what was the reason behind that were you um, a bit looser and and so then not as consistent because of the feet away yeah like i think you become way more consistent and you know, if you if you hit a bump or something and you have a long outside leg, then it 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 just doesn't make the turn as powerful. Mm. Um, like, <clears throat> yeah, I think if you're you're entering the turn with a long leg and then you either it's not like a powerful turn and it sort of you can if you're on a steep or something, it's it's not like um, how do you say? it's you can it's just not like fast like not as many options to yeah you like break after the turn or like it i feel like when my feet are underneath me i'm more like everything's flowing much Mm -hmm. much yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting um because like you know if there's any there's any young racers listening (laughs) i would really recommend you to like listen to what harry just said (laughs) because I think even like when I was young, I, I stopped from that too. Like there's a time you go through where like, you're just like, oh, like that, the way Ted skis looks really cool, you know? Um, but a lot of it comes down to like also people's bodies and like their, their makeup and so on. And I think like with what Harry just said, it's not like, you know, Ted was the fastest in the world for a while, right? Like what he was doing was working, but it was working for him. And, you know, Harry is focusing on what works for him you know him, it's yeah about, it's about like making the fastest turn possible for for harry right um so like if you're that's <laughs> if a really you're, interesting point if you're a younger a, racer 
definitely definitely had to listen to that and do you know what's the fastest what works for you um and you know because nothing else anyone else ever does is going to be totally right for you yeah. that that sort of reiterates like i guess you're you got that feedback from coaches right saying harry what's currently going on is not yielding some good results i think if you do this it will you know keep your feet on and you're feeling a, a better change yeah. Um, yeah. come from that because you know like what like uh people know like one of my favorite ski races at the moment is alice robinson and her feet are definitely not or i don't know it doesn't look like they're that much under her at, at many big you know moments like very ted Ligety sort of style yeah so yeah so you know what i mean like it's it's interesting hearing people at this high level are coming at it still sort of differently um yeah. and i know that that that's her in she's you know can be inconsistent because of that but the risk reward can be can really pay off with like first places and stuff um yeah, yeah. what anything yeah. what would you say yeah. about that yeah i mean if if you watch like the top 30 guys like they're all skiing yeah pretty pretty similar i feel like like no one's no no guy in the top 30 is really skiing like ted is and um or at least like the top you know the top five guys they're all skiing like pretty technically similar like you know they they have a deep line they they're switching at the halfway point and their feet are underneath them and um yeah, they're just like, cons they're super consistent. Like their line is really consistent and their movements are really consistent. Mm -hmm. I guess like once the 30, the top 30 guys finish, like you sort of see, um, yeah, you see more like inconsistent skiing for the later guys with line and technique and yeah. Mm. But um, yeah, I don't know, Alice... I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'm really like, I feel like she skis mostly like a feet underneath her, but she always gets like big angles. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's also an interesting way of describing it. Like, cause you know, when you say that to someone like your feet under underneath you, like watching a GS skier, it does not look like that their feet are underneath them in the transition, like literally. Yeah. yeah it's just a funny, th the way of, I don't know if it's like a way of just coaches have just always said it that way to try and get people because it's literally not really what is going on. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like, I, I think about this from like a racing perspective too. And, and when Harry's trying to keep his feet underneath him, he's still generating like a huge amount of angle compared to like the average, <laughs> yeah. um, the average skier. Right? So it, it like, it is interesting, but I mean, I, I agree with has like looking at Alice, um, you know, I'd say like the majority of the time her feet are underneath her quotation marks. Um, Cause she has like, so a, how, about, how, about, how about this drop. then? What, how would you describe it in a different way? If like, say, say someone could say someone didn't know anything about racing or skiing much and they're watching skiing and there's, and you say to them, Oh, see this guy, his feet are underneath him. And they would go, that makes no sense. Their feet are not underneath them. They're out to the side. How would you then yeah. describe someone who has their quotation marks feet underneath them differently versus a skier who doesn't, you know, like if we were trying to think of a, like, so this is making you think in your own way about what, what it really is. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I guess another way to explain it is like, um, yeah, if your feet aren't underneath you, it's like you're having a long leg, your outside, your outside skis, like, yeah, you're having a long leg pretty much. Like if you see like photos of most guys, like, you know, they have big angles, but you know, their outside skiers, their knee is a bit bent. So I guess that would be the best way to explain it. Like, I don't know, if you look at Ted, like back in, 
I don't know, when he used to ski on like 35s or something, like his outside ski is super long. Like his leg is like, you know, way so yeah. far from his body, you know, and he has like crazy angles. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of hard to explain. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm just interested like how, how you take it, like, you know, like your interpretation of like when you feel your feet are under you versus uh not like is it actually do you literally feel like they're more just under you yeah yeah for sure yeah it is actually yeah so yeah it's it's that feeling Um, harry was referring to the the 35 meter radius gs ski that used to be uh fist standards just for anyone who was a little confused about what the 35s are it's like pretty typical and yeah scary some people like oh yeah the 30s 35s you know <laughs> like it's just uh, and so, yeah, that's actually like i have a question there too relating to like what you just said what the top 30 has um now this year you know when hersha retired uh like there was some guys that were like it was just so obvious they were just going to take over you know like pintero um Christofferson and that actually hasn't really happened there's been some some other guys that have just come up and been skiing really fast and it's way more of a mix now um why do you think it is that uh like it hasn't gone the way everyone thought it would with like say Christofferson just winning everything um Pintro winning everything because if we went if we look back a couple of years ago of who was always second and third it was those guys like you just assume like naturally they were just going to take over. Um, what do you think it is that's made it go differently? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of hard to say. Um, but I, I think like, I don't know, maybe like those young guys, they're just maturing a bit. Like they were always really fast skiers, but they're just, you know, they're just maturing a bit more and, they're skiing more consistently and now they're just they're able to put two runs together and um yeah i think i don't know like the the sport is changing so fast every year you know like it's progressing so fast um like you know if if you like guys who are winning four years ago five years ago there's no chance they would be winning like now Mm. i feel like Mm. um yeah, it's just like I think everyone, all all the the top thirty or like top sixty guys, like everyone is pushing super hard, you know, to, to crack in there. Mm. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's cool though. I think like it's nice to see different guys on the podium, especially. I agree. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. On that, I mean, I don't think people realise how tough it is for an Australian to do what you're doing because it's not like you have, I mean, do you want to explain a little bit around the support you need and the kind of, I don't know if we'd say sacrifices, but you know, the kind of lifestyle you have to live in order to do what you're doing. Like, do you want to give a bit of insight into that? Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. Like obviously growing up, like I was, super lucky and fortunate to be supported by family um but now it's sort of like yeah like sort of at the age where you don't you don't really want to rely on that you know so like i mean the last you know since i was 18 19 usually in the summers i'm I'm working yeah as much as possible to to make some money for the season um so yeah like i don't know the last four or five years i've been doing everything from catering to like bar work um but like my, my past few years mostly like construction work which um definitely makes it hard when you're training twice a day and then digging holes all day but um <laughs> yeah i don't know i think it's uh, cool because it's like a different path to like the european skiers because they're like fully supported and um yeah and also been lucky 
as well the last few years, like getting more support from some sponsors. Um, yeah, like Mount Hotham have been supporting me and um, a real estate company in Melbourne, Tesca Carson, also supporting me, which has been super nice. And um, yeah, Matt, it sort of allows me not to, I can focus more on my training and not so much having to work um you know a full financial work. side yeah exactly um, yeah yeah so there's something else i just want to add as well like like a lot of guys even guys on Haz's team you know like they can go home for the weekend right like has and you know like any other skiers from australia like they're, they're away for especially this year they're just away forever like um it's it's totally different you know so uh, it's pretty crazy, like the sacrifice, also how hard it is for, for guys like that. Yeah, um, yeah, I think it's so different for us. You know, like if you have a bad race or a bad training camp or something, you're you're going back to your family and or your friends or your girlfriend, you know, and you're just like sort of um, resetting, and you know, it's a bit different when you're halfway across the world. Um, but like now, last couple of years have been much better because I now have a base in Innsbruck. But yeah, before that, I was sort of couch surfing for a while and it's just not <laughs> sustainable. Um, you, just, you never really have your own space or, you know, you always sort of feel like a burden or like you're a bit of a pain in the ass. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's it's for sure different. I think that's why a lot of like Kiwi and Australian guys they don't really like stick it out because it's definitely not easy. Um, yeah. And I'm not definitely not complaining. Like it's um, super grateful and lucky to be doing this. But um, yeah, I think people sort of overlook it sometimes. It's not. Yeah. Definitely not the easiest sport. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think it props to you to get, yeah, it's, 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 I think it's tough. But yeah, if you took up surfing, you'd probably find it a bit yeah. <laughs> easier. Yeah. What, are you, what are you doing? Uh, so, like, you know, you live in, you've been living in Innsbruck for a few seasons. Um, what do you do to, you know, make yourself feel at home and, and like make it so you actually are like having your home base? Um, yeah, I mean, now that I've been there for a couple of years, like I'm definitely starting to um, know more people around the area. And um, yeah, like people that are super connected to ski racing. So it's, it's just nice to have a bit of a... Um, yeah, it's like the nice thing about being home is like my friends don't really know anything about ski mm. racing. So it's mm. it's nice to like be away from that scene um so totally yeah, yeah. hey um, sam you, you you had some question here about this uh equipment switch or something what's what's oh, yeah. that about yeah so um i guess i'll give a little rundown of like <clears throat> you know equipment's like super important to a ski racer it's like i mean it's it's the same as like you know an f1 car right like it's just it's a make or it can be a make or break. Um, and you know, has and I were chatting about equipment. I, in fact, we've chatted about equipment a lot <laughs> and has is on a, 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 like a lesser known brand augment, which has can explain to us. And what I thought was so interesting is that Harry, you know, he got success with them last year and then made a switch to Salomon, right? And Salomon's a really well-known brand. They have a good reputation. And they have a lot of good skiers. Uh, and then Harry made a uh, he wasn't getting results with them. And then he made a switch back to Augment and started like killing getting results. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Talk about that. Um, yeah. So, so when they switched from the 35 meter radius skis to the 30 meter radius, um, I was on Rosignal and yeah, pretty much I couldn't. And um, 
I, I had to switch to this smaller company. Um, yeah, in the beginning, it wasn't really by choice. And um, it was, it was the year, it was the year uh, of the, like, of the Olympics. So, yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit chaotic because I was, like, going to the Olympics. I was, like, you know, switching to a brand I never skated on. And but I didn't really have a choice um, because, you know, like, when you're from a small ski nation, it just makes it that much harder to, to get good equipment. But um, yeah, it was it was pretty good. This so this this brand, a small brand in um, Austria, they hand make all their skis, um, and yeah, like I had a had a pretty good season that Olympic year, and then um, I wanted to do more Super G, so I switched to Solomon, and they said they sort of said I could get good equipment. So normally like in the companies you have like the world cup skis and then Europa cup skis and then like the sort of the stuff you get in the shops. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, when I switched to Solomon, I, I guess I didn't really get the equipment that the other guys were getting or the, the same equipment as the other Europa cup guys. And then, so it um, actually wasn't, it wasn't so much Solomon skis. It was the, the quality level within the yeah. Solomon ski you got access to. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and did you just feel like, did the skis not hold? Did they feel like, like how would you describe they felt? Whenever I was on ice, I just never, I always struggled when it was, when it was icy. So like pretty much everywhere we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I like, cause I, I'm sort of the person I hate, like blaming things on equipment and stuff. I always, think it's better to like find a solution i don't know like yeah it's like your your responsibility yeah yeah but then you know nothing was really working like i felt like i was skiing well but then um i just wasn't fast so then pretty much halfway through the season i switched back to to augment and then i think we had a we had a europa cup um I think in a couple of days and then I, I just trained one day on the skis and then it, it like, like things sort of like start to come together a bit better. And then I just was like, yeah, whatever, I'll race on these and we'll see how it goes. And then, yeah, I was, um, I was, I think top 15 on that. Yeah. And I hadn't, hadn't been really like close to making Europa cup points all year. Wow. And it's sort of like, yeah. Switched. And do you remember the skis just feeling way more like, oh, this is gonna hold. This is just tracking, yeah, and exactly, yeah. just like that was the difference. It was like yeah. oh, I can trust this, and, yeah. and go commit a bit harder, and yeah, exactly, yeah, crazy. So then, do you think it was just like, what do you reckon, Sam? Was it in that? Was there just not much metal in those skis? Was it? What do you reckon it was? The the Solomons you got. Um, yeah, like I think, uh, yeah, I, not, I don't know really. Like, I think it's it's pretty complex. Like the different different skis they're making. Um, yeah, it's it's sort of hard to say. Like, yeah. I think I think some like a lot of the the World Cup skis, um, they're like double layered with titanium. And yeah, like the skis, like the younger guys are skiing. There's like really no, there's really no metal in there. Um, but yeah, I'm actually, yeah, I actually don't know that much about. <laughs> you, but you could feel it. Yeah. <laughs> it was, definitely, yeah, and the results were like, yeah, night and day. Yeah. What about what about boots then? Have you and Sam chatted about like, do you do much with your boots? Like, have you ever had that as well? Like, you've switched brands because of a sponsorship or something, and then gone uh, um, skied worse or anything or like no not really um but like the last the last couple seasons we've been playing around with um like panting angles you know being like for me i like a bit more of an aggressive setup so i put the angle of my boots a little bit more out out yeah um 
yeah so mm. i think it it it's crazy like only like two or three strips of duct tape it changes the way you ski so much yeah i know yeah massive what yeah. have you ever like what boot are you on what brand do you uh, la- have you always skied them um yeah yeah pretty much i mean when i was on solomon i was on their boots but i think lang have yeah probably the best you ski better and yeah you ski, yeah yeah. yeah interesting and does anyone does anyone help you much with like the fitting of them like do you get a pretty good like do you get a lot of work done to make them feel good um yeah like, yeah. Our, our coach does it for us so um yeah i mean i for me i don't need anything crazy for my boots um so it's like yeah it's a pretty simple setup yeah i've got the huge bump like sam on the back here Heel. <laughs> no, I have like I have like the standard sixth toe. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Golf ball at the back of my heel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what? has just before we jumped on the call, um, you know, Tom, Tom had you doing some pretty interesting exercises on your knee, uh, on your busted knee, um. Can you walk us through like, you know, like not that many people understand, you know, how important it is. And, and actually like most races at some point in their career go through an ACL injury. It's very common. Um, and so what's, what's your daily routine like with your uh, rehabilitation at the moment? Um, yeah. Like since I've been in Innsbruck, I like, I'm usually I'm in the gym or like at the rehab center um, and yeah, I'm doing my rehab exercises and then doing, you know, an upper body or a core. Um, so that yeah, usually takes four hours or so out of the day. Um, but yeah, it's, um, we're usually like in Innsbruck, it's usually rotated. Like I'll have physio one day, the next maybe pool therapy, the next like a training session with the trainer. Um, so yeah, like since I've been in Innsbruck and all, like since I've been injured, it's my days are pretty full, full mm. with um, rehab and training and stuff, um, which has been nice. Like I don't have so much else to do. Yeah. Um, and what's and like do do you mind me uh like we chatted a little bit about this, but your take on what I got you to do with your knee versus what you've been doing with all the traditional kind of approach how would you see how would you describe what i did and and um and maybe how you felt after doing those exercises? um it was definitely like definitely interesting and i think what we did is more like it makes sense it makes a lot of sense um especially like with skiing because you're not you're never like bending your knees in one plane of um yeah it's straight forward yeah. yeah um so i think it's more like applicable you know um yeah like i'll, uh, I'll give it i'll just give the listeners a bit of a, an idea because i just asked like harry how his rehab's going and he said you know pretty good uh there's not too much discomfort but you know lacking a bit of extension full extension and like full range flexion and i just got him to compare like putting one foot forward bending his knee and then swapping and putting like the the injured or the 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 rehabbing knee forward bending it and there was a big difference in where the weight went through his feet where his knee tracked um how all the muscles engaged because of all that and um and so i got him basically bending and rotating and and uh and straightening and rotating which uh you hadn't been doing any of any of that had you no no not really it was all like here front yeah, back yeah, yeah straightforward yeah yeah and, and then we were just discussing how it's very 
that's not really that applicable to skiing where like there's always when the knee is straightening or it's bending the ski is traveling in a, on a curve you're usually like avoiding a gate you're counter rotating to to you know keep your your skis under you in close quotation marks yeah yeah all that sort of stuff so so yeah you now got some exercise to start training yeah. that that in yeah yeah and, yeah, uh, it's definitely important, especially, uh, you know, in skiing with like so many uh, outside things like, you know, bumpy terrain, uh, especially ski racing, ruddy courses and stuff, you know, the, the knees really tracking uh, forward and back. Um, it's always good to watch Tom do his thing. Um, and they're always, always trying to get the knee to, to want to come back to that middle point, but it's it won't know how to get back there if it doesn't get trained going outside of that, that like, more ideal centered like centered sort of position and um yeah anyway i thought that was uh i guess there's there's uh sam and i's shameless promotion for our body prep course because we take people through like all this sort of stuff that that we get that, that that we sort of did a little bit with you um yeah 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 if you if any listeners if you're interested in uh checking that out <laughs> We'll do a link for you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting, especially like with someone like uh, Harry, who's uh, an amazing skier. And um, also, uh, I just want to say to everyone listening as well, like, you know, you've heard Harry's a pretty humble bloke. Um, so I'm going to blow some smoke off his bum for him. Uh, but Harry's probably the best GS skier uh, that I know of that we've had come out of Australia. Like he's had really amazing results, but on top of that, you know, like I speak to Harry quite a lot and, and, you know, there's guys that have been like in the top 30 in the world cup that Harry has been like, you know, right there within training, uh, even, even beating. So any listeners, you know, if you're interested, uh, in, in like what Harry said today and, you know, it's like, it's pretty clear, like how difficult it is, as an Australian, you know, he's really done something remarkable. So if you're interested in helping Harry um, in, in any way, you know, with some sponsorship or even, you know, some advice and contacts, um, please let Tom and I know. And we, you know, we'd love to uh, help next. Harry for his next season. Cause you know, we have no doubt that Definitely. Um, come 10 months from now when Harry's back in the stock at it's sold and, you know, he's going to probably be stronger than he's ever been. And we really want to help him out. So, yeah, anyone who's listening, if you want to help out a chant, uh, yeah, yeah. Then, <laughs> then let us know. I second. Yeah, <laughs> no, I second that. It's, it's going to be like it's going to be so awesome to have like it's so awesome to have an Australian at Harry's standard like going for it. You know, um, I know, I agree, and I think that's really something like that people could potentially help with, and also know that they we're a part of like I know definitely it makes you know I'd be super proud to you know to know that, that an Aussie skier is right up there like that's uh yeah yeah it's really inspiring exactly. so yeah if people can help out and uh, yeah. that's yeah How, great. Harry, um, so you have a you have a few sponsors right now um do you want to take a take a moment just to give a few shout outs yeah, yeah. um yeah, I guess the big one would be um, the, the Hotham Race Club and now Hotham as a resort. Um, super grateful for their support and um, Tesco Carson, a real estate company in, in Melbourne. Um, Eon, Eon Tesco has been, yeah, has been really good to me and, yeah, I appreciate the support a lot and, you know, it's it makes the season possible and, um yeah allows me not to work so much in the summer which is which is nice yeah focus on the training uh it's super important guys you know as harry said like sometimes he's busting his ass on a construction site and we're talking about a guy who's you know almost like he's in the top you're in the top 60 no Uh, no, yeah well he's he's up he's up there putting down training runs uh with some of the best in the world and um you know, if Harry was an Austrian, he'd probably just be relaxing by the pool in between training <laughs> sets. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want, if you want to help Haz out, like, 
like as other sponsors do then please get in, in touch with us um and of course you know if you're interested in tom and i's body prep program you know now that the season's going we're also doing like a lot of um uh coaching on people's skiing as well so uh, that's a part that's of the right. program and um yeah like it is limited spots so if you if it sounds interesting to you please follow the link you can book a, a free consultation with uh, myself or tom where we'll just go through give you some some stuff you can apply straight away and you know see if the program's right for you and of course if it's Rafi, you will be super happy to invite you in. So just check out the That's link. It. Yeah. That's thanks it. That's it. Awesome. Well, Harry, thanks, mate, for uh, chatting with us and giving us some insight into your ski life and everything. Um, yeah, I hope no. people have found it really, you know, enjoyable and insightful and especially some of the racing, like, stuff. Um, I think that was cool, like, to ask you, you know, like, about the line and, where people get caught up and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and even like the feet under versus, you know, like all that stuff's really good, you know, for me to as well to go away and, and think about. And so hopefully it's made others do the same. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Yeah, all right. Having me on. Pleasure. Cheers, awesome. All right, guys. Catch you next time. Yeah. See you next time, girls. Some of you may already know that I've been advising Carve and working with the team for some time now. And this year, the team has come up with probably some of the most exciting developments to date. They've been working on representing the most fun parts of skiing in their system. They've developed three brand new metrics, progressive edging, early weight transfer, and one that measures the G-force in a turn. And that one, I have to say, I got to try it out this winter in Australia, and that is really fun. This new addition is going to be incredible for anyone who's looking to really push their skiing up a notch. Now, what's even more interesting for this year is the system now detects what terrain you're on and pulls that into your ski IQ score. This is a huge change and a great upgrade because sometimes it would only really score well if you were skiing on perfectly groomed snow. Now it's going to accommodate and adjust whether you're skiing in steeper slopes, more chopped up snow or firmer snow. So this is a very big change that I think is massive kudos to the team to keep pushing and progressing the app even further. If you're the kind of skier that is looking for a tool to help push your technique that little bit further, then you should definitely check out what Carve can do. Use the code GELLIE15, that's G-E-L-L-I-E-1-5, to get 15% off for the next two weeks.